If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 194 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on September 10th, 2023. Well, it's good to be back. Another two-week hiatus here. I've been doing a couple of those lately because, uh, well, guys, what can I tell you? This summer is my first one in years where I can actually enjoy some vacation, so you best believe I'm enjoying every single moment of it. Obviously, you guys know in August I went to Italy, even did an episode there for the second time back on August 13th. Took off on the 20th because that was my last day there, preparing to come home, spending my last day with my loved ones and my friend and my friends and everything. So, the 20th I took off, then I was back on the 27th, and then last Sunday I took off because my lovely girlfriend Victoria and I took a very nice trip for the Labor Day long weekend to Lake George. It was my first time ever there, and honestly, for all those who have ever been thinking to go there, 12 out of 10 do recommend go there. Lake George was awesome. Loved it there, had a great time with my girlfriend, and if you are thinking of going with either maybe loved ones or maybe a significant other or maybe even just some friends just for a weekend or something, do it. Go. There's so much to do. It's so much fun. It's beautiful. And I just really, really recommend you go and check it out. It was an amazing trip. So that was awesome last weekend. Obviously did not bring my equipment with me, so I did not do an episode. And here we are after we last spoke on August the 27th. So it was great that the Lake George trip was awesome. I very much enjoyed this summer. It was the first summer I was able to thoroughly enjoy and not just spend every single waking moment of my life working in years. So you best believe I am very appreciative of it, and I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. It's nice to be able to actually enjoy life again, <laughs> going to be honest with you. So, And it's not like I'm missing much with the Yankees or anything, or I'm missing some dire coverage or anything, because, well, why don't we just dive right in? Because really all there continues to be at this point, as we've been speaking about for weeks now, nothing new, is uh, just trying to find any sort of positives or finding any sort of meaning that we can in a season that has been flatlined for some time now. I would say for at least a month or so, at least. And some would say I'm even being kind by saying that. And to you I say, fine, I guess you might have a point. But it wasn't until beginning mid-August where I really said, yeah, the season's over. And... (laughs) here we still are. I mean, that's really all that there is to do here on September 10th still. There's only maybe a a smidge over three weeks left of 2023 regular season Yankees baseball. And now all we continue to do is just, as the episode title says, which is why I really found it to be appropriate for today, just finding meaning in any sort of way that we can for the 2023 Yankees that continue to be the most laughably pathetic Yankees team that we have seen in over 30 years that I've ever seen in my lifespan because I'm only 26 so I never saw 
a losing season, even a losing regular season, even if you want to bring up the last bunch of years when they might not have made the playoffs or if they did and got humiliated, eliminated in just embarrassing fashion, uh, that still, in none of those, still didn't include any losing regular seasons, which was just like a forgotten concept for the Yankees and their fans, what it's like to actually have a losing season. Well, the Yankees are on a fast track to have that. They did get back to 500 for about a few seconds a few days ago, but they have since just sunk right back underneath it. I'd be shocked if they finish even at 500, let alone over it. I don't see a reason why they would, considering they just continue to show day in and day out how little it is they really just care at this point. It's just really evident that, especially on a day like today where they went 10 and a third innings, being no hit by the Milwaukee Brewers before finally breaking through on a no-hit breaking game-tying RBI double by Oswaldo Cabrera, that they're just going through the motions at this point. They really don't, they just don't care. They are mentally checked out. There was even a moment in today's game, and yes, I am recording at the end of the game. It's still going on, actually. It's about 4.55 at the time I'm taping, and the Brewers are winning 3-1 to now in the top of the 12th. So the Yankees are obviously going to lose the game. I will be shocked if they don't. Obviously... Not that it really matters whether they win or lose. The season's still over either way. But even before earlier in the game, you had a moment where it was a 2-2 count and Stanton took a ball outside to make the count 3-2. and two, And he thought it was ball 4 and just took his his protective gear off and just threw his bat away and started to make his way down to first on a walk. Meanwhile, it was 3-2. and two. Get back in the batter's box, bro. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> and this is coming from a Stanton defender who this year I- I've... I've really lost the ability to be able to say much of anything positive about him because it's been that brutal. Even he has become impossible to defend. It's just really obvious that they're just checked out. Even on an awesome day like yesterday when you saw the core four reunited, Derek Jeter taking partners first old-timers day, which I was tweaking out over a couple of weeks ago. You guys probably remember how excited I was over it. See the core four back. Jeter's here. You see the 98 team reunited for the 25th anniversary of one of the greatest teams of all time in the 98 Yankees. And you still lose yesterday in embarrassing fashion. And you come out today and get no hit through 10 and a third. They don't. They're mentally checked out, folks. I mean, I don't even know why I still even have the game on right now as I'm recording. I must be sick. I even just said it before on Twitter. I was like, I still have a podcast to record. And here I am. They were losing one to nothing at the time. They just had allowed the first run in the top of the 11th. And still didn't have a hit because the bottom half of the 11th hadn't happened yet when Oswaldo got his RBI double. And I was like, I still have a podcast to record. And here I am still in my family room on my recliner chair and watching the game as if I'm expecting literally anything to happen or as if anything that happens in this game really even freaking matters. I, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, What is wrong with me? Do I have an illness? Am I really that much of a masochist? Am I that much of a glutton for punishment? I guess we all are. Because so many of my fellow Yankee fans, and listen, I guess that makes us what so many people want to say in quotes, quote-unquote, real fans. But, I mean, I guess... We just don't get tired of the punishment because here we are still watching. Even as I'm recording in my room, game's on right next to me on my TV. I just don't understand. I mean, even with today's game, like I said, 10 to third innings being no hit. Even with Garrett Cole on the mound, who, by the way, just just turned in yet another terrific start. (laughs) 
This was the 23rd. You know, this Paul O'Neill said this on the broadcast before, and I thank Paul for putting this out because it really is needed information that needs to be heard. Garrett Cole threw the 23rd out of his 30 starts today. So 23rd start of the season in which he allowed two runs or less. Think about that for a second. 23 out of 30 starts. Two runs or less. He only has maybe, you know, a couple of starts left in the year because there's only so much time left. Maybe like three, four max. If this wasn't the most putrid Yankees offense or just overall team in over three decades, put it in perspective for a second. Bro would easily have over 20 wins. Easily. Even maybe even by now without even his last three or four starts that he still has to go. He's made every single one of his starts this year, no matter how painful this year has been. And he has now, after today, lowered his ERA to 279, which is the lowest in the American League. Garrett Cole is your American League Cy Young Award winner, in case you just want to deny that anymore. And a couple of episodes ago, one or two episodes ago, it's tough to remember because I've I've done one every other week, basically, for the last few weeks because of my trip to Italy and then my trip to Lake George last weekend, so it's tough to keep track. But an episode or two ago, we basically talked about collectively, like, what even matters to us with the rest of this season, since the season is virtually meaningless at this point from a playoff perspective because they are nowhere near getting to a wild card, so nobody should even bother paying attention to it anymore. What really matters to people? And one of those things that we all spoke about was Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young. So I figured that that would be a good discussion point to start the show here as well. 23rd out of 30 starts allowing two runs or less. This guy deserves the Cy Young. Even if he's only about a win or two off from having the most wins in the American League, I couldn't care less. The win-loss stat means jack to me. So as far as I'm concerned, as of right now, yes, he still has a couple more starts to go at least before the season ends. That's your American League Cy Young Award winner. Oh, and also, Brian Hoke tweeted this earlier too. I don't want to forget to mention this. Garrett is also now the first Yankee pitcher to record three separate seasons of 200 strikeouts or more because in his nine-strikeout effort today, through seven scoreless innings in which he didn't walk a single person and only gave up three hits, that was his line today, fantastic outing against the Brewers. Nine-strikeout outing today pushed him well over 200 strikeouts. So again, that gives him the ability to now be the first Yankees pitcher ever to have three separate seasons with 200 strikeouts or more. Now, I'm both very impressed for Garrett for achieving that, and I'm also very surprised that no other Yankee pitcher in history achieved that because I would think that with all the fantastic arms the Yankees have had in their history— that somebody else would have done that, but I, I guess not. Wow, you've actually got to be kidding me. <laughs> Stanton just hit a game-tying two-run homer in the bottom of the 12th. <laughs> it's 3-3 three to three now. Uh, just when I was talking about him before, having a miserable season and talking about how I really can't defend him anymore because it's factually true. I'm just It's not even a matter of turning on someone that I've always defended and been a huge fan of. I still like Stanton. I just like him. But... He, it's true, objectively, that he has been impossible to defend in 2023, and we're all talking about, people even been talking about if the Yankees should eat his remaining years of his contract. I mean, it's been a hot discussion on the Yankees fans just wanting him out of here now. And we were just talking about that, and now 
hits a game tying two run homer. <laughs> Not that it massively changes anything, because just one hit amidst a, a whole entire season's worth of misery for him virtually. He did just hit his 400th home run in the last week, so there's that as well. So congratulations to Stanton for that. But that's funny. He just tied the game of three. <laughs> so, of course, why why end our suffering quickly when you could just draw it out and probably still lose the game in the 13th or the 14th or the 15th? Why, why do it earlier? <laughs> oh, God. This season has just been... Wow. One for the ages, man. I, I never thought I'd see one like this. I, I really never did. I never thought it was possible for the Yankees to suck this bad. I really... I never did. Even if they win today, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. They were actually people. And I, I think I tweeted this yesterday or the night before. I just have no concept of time anymore, in case you can't tell. But they were actually people of late. Because in the last couple of weeks, the Yankees did win a few, a couple of series, a few games worth against the Tigers. And they managed to sweep the Astros in Houston, which is really cool and deserves credit because... The Astros are still a really good team, and the Yankees cannot beat the worst of the worst, so the fact that they managed to sweep the Astros, regardless of where it is, is still very impressive and deserves credit, but also you have to take into account that the Astros are unusually god-awful this year at Minute Maid Park, which makes no logical sense to the opposing fan or the Astros fans themselves, because it is very strange, but anyway, it still deserves credit, but after that and a few wins against the crappy Tigers... I almost feel bad for my fellow Yankee fans out there who allow themselves to get trapped again into the nonsensical vortex of actually paying attention to any sort of standings again as if it has any meaning anymore. <laughs> I mean, people were even saying, oh, they have to go 18-5 and five in the last 23 games. Like, guys, come on. Are you really going to torment yourself like that? Like, yeah, I might be tuning into the game still like you are and putting myself through the pain and subjecting myself to the suffering but in no way am I even thinking about any standings or thinking they have any sort of a chance for a miracle playoff run in the last three weeks here. Come on, that's just dumb. Come on. That's silly. It's silly. They lose today, they'll be swept at home against the Brewers. They have the Red Sox up next. What makes you think that they could beat the Red Sox, at least even the series, at 2-2 two and two in the upcoming four-game set at Fenway? Then the Pirates after that, that's an easier series. And they got the Blue Jays after that. You really think they could win a series against the Blue Jays? Then you got the Diamondbacks after that, who are also a few games over 500. Then you got the Blue Jays in Toronto. And you got an easy series to finish off the season in the Royals. But that series is going to be completely and utterly meaningless. I mean, come on. So, it's just silly. I mean, yeah, the Yankees have won some games in the last couple of weeks since we've spoken that... Gives them, you know, some deserved credit, but to even be thinking about the wild card again, come on, guys. Why are you subjecting yourself to that kind of torment? It's just not even necessary. They're not going to the playoffs, guys. It's not happening. I don't care if they're not mathematically eliminated yet. I didn't care if they weren't mathematically eliminated back in early mid-August when I declared the season over. It's not even for the sake of being negative or pessimistic. It was just obvious what was going on in front of my very eyes, and I was calling it like it was. And here we are. It's basically the middle of September now in a couple of days, and it's still just as over as it was a month ago. It's just a matter of seeing what's in front of you, seeing the patterns, seeing that this is a truly bad team in every single way possible, and just coming to terms with the fact that this team 
is not only not going anywhere in the playoffs, but might not even make the playoffs. It's just a matter of accepting reality, which as we all know, the Yankees front office, for instance, is notoriously horrific at doing. So we might as well be good at it so we could have that balance, I suppose. But regardless, back to the original point and the overall mentality of this episode, finding meaning in a lost season, which is something that we Yankee fans do not have to face very often or at all. No Yankee fan has had to do it in over 30 years, as we said. The last time they had a losing season was in 1992. So this is a foreign concept for us. It's very tough. And even if they do manage to finish like at 500, maybe a game over 500, this will still be the worst season they've had in a long time. So coming to terms with this might be very difficult for a lot of other people, but it's something that has to be done. So, what are the most important parts about it? We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, and we're basically still in the same spot as we established before. Not much has changed, despite having that nice sweep in Houston and winning a few against the Tigers. It just hasn't really made a difference. They're still in the same spot, still in a sub-500 team, even if they're closer to 500 than they were before. It's still the same sort of thing. So, what are the things that mean the most? Well, first off, we'll start off with it being the kids. And the Yankees have actually had one of their positives come from that in the last couple of weeks because right around the time of that Houston series, as we were talking about even just a couple of weeks ago, just having the kids get their development, something else happened that I did not see happening. And I've said this throughout the entire year that I didn't think it was going to happen this year. Maybe slightly possible at the earliest being in September when the roster's expanded, but even then I thought it was doubtful. So you know what? I'll hold the L on this one. And, you know, I had plenty of reason, in my opinion, to not believe that the Yankees would have the guts to do this. But they did it, and I'm glad they did. But they actually called up Jason Dominguez and Austin Wells, the both of them, when the rosters expanded on September 1st. And we haven't spoken since the 27th, of course. So, that happened in the hiatus where we did not speak about a week and a half ago. So, that was awesome. And it was a part of the youth movement that we have all been craving because what else is there other than maybe Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young and if you want to see Judge hitting 40 home runs in just a little over 100 games played then fine but that's really that was really like it basically and Anthony Volpe achieving the 20 home runs and the 20 stolen bases milestone first Yankee rookie to do that which is also hard to believe especially it being a rookie shortstop so that's pretty freaking awesome But you take personal achievements away, and what really matters is getting as much development time in there for the kids as you possibly can. That's what matters now. So them calling up Dominguez and calling up Wells and playing them basically every day was the best possible thing the Yankees could have done in a meaningless September. So that was a huge W for them as far as I'm concerned. So just keep on having the kids develop. That's number one. Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young. Yes, absolutely. If you care about Judge hitting 35 to 40 home runs and just a little bit over 100 games played, yeah, you could do that too. So these are the factors of meaningful baseball that we can find individually with the Yankees in an otherwise meaningless and lost September. Because again, in a season like this, it's really, unfortunately, all that we've been left 
to deal with because there's nothing else to look forward to as far as the playoffs, as far as any sort of postseason success and or a championship in light of that. There's none of that. There's none of it. And obviously there was the Old Timers Day festivities with Derek Jeter and everybody else. Even seeing Matsui back there was freaking awesome. I went crazy with him as I always do. I'll still never forget when I got to see him hit his Old Timers Day home run. I was there for that. It was the one Old Timers Day I've been to. Epic. Seeing the 98 team reunited, seeing the core four with Jeter reunited. It was just awesome. So these are like the little things, the little positives you have to find amidst the constant pain and misery. (laughs) And yet here we are coming back for more every single day. Even in a day like today, now they're in the bottom of the 13th. And it's still 3-3, no winner for this, yet, if they lose and it's just another loss, another game to be under 500, beyond what they're already at record-wise, right now they sit at a 70-72 and 72 record, they win today, they'll be 71-72, and 72. they lose, they'll be 70-73, and 73. heading into a four-game set at Fenway Park. So, just the little things you gotta find, guys, that's really the main thing. But the biggest thing that's most important to me as of today are the kids, as I said, them developing in this last month and showing what they've got because they have this month and they have spring training in 2024 to figure it out too. And who knows which ones might actually be able to make the opening day roster for 2024 and finally get their career up and running. That would be awesome. That's the main priority right now. And I guess this is a good segue into Yankees news because when it comes to the kids being brought up and many other things happening, there actually was quite a bit that happened in these last two weeks Yankees news-wise. So why don't we just get to that instead of, you know, beating a dead horse over here, sounding like a broken record about how lost and meaningless this season is. It's been this way for weeks now. There's no need to just continue to go over and over and over and over and over. It's a quick way to get all of you to tune out. So... I want to keep you here, keep you entertained, keep you informed. So why don't we move on to some Yankees news and all the things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Because like I said, even if it is a lost season, there are those little W's in there, those wins you can hang your hat on and be happy about. We'll start with what happened almost a couple of weeks ago already now, back on Tuesday the 29th, which was the first thing that happened in the last two weeks. And this is one of those W's I was talking about. The Yankees actually finally I mean, you want to say too little, too late, then fine. You are correct, and I would agree with you. But better late than never, I also say. The Yankees released Josh Donaldson. What a win there. Wow. I could not tell you how happy I was with this. I mean, listen, I was one of the very many few who called this trade a disaster when it first happened. I was not happy about getting Donaldson, and... I don't want to act like I knew that he was going to be this bad because I didn't. I'm not going to pretend to think that. But um, I was not a fan of him being here because of all the talk that he had against Garrett Cole and all the problems that he was as an opponent, all the problems that he presented as an opponent. I did think it was good for the Yankees to have a villainous presence on the team, but I think there's a difference between villain and insufferable, obnoxious jerk. That's just my opinion. I did not think that that was the kind of villain the Yankees needed. There are different sorts of villains that you can have that aren't completely insufferable the way Josh Donaldson always was prior to being here and, quite frankly, while he was here too. He was good offensively still before coming here. Even with the Twins, his numbers are still good, which makes his sudden decline even more baffling. Like I said, I don't want to pretend to 
say that I knew he was going to be that bad. I thought it was possible that he would decline because he wasn't getting any younger. I did make that very clear after the trade, but I did not think he would decline this hard. But how hard he did decline only gave more credit to my argument that that trade was a disaster. And here we are now, almost two full years later after that trade was made. And I can positively say that the Josh Donaldson aspect of it especially did in fact end up being an utter train wreck. The guy did nothing offensively here. His biggest moment was probably that grand slam in extra innings at walk-off, if you remember. And that's about it. I mean, his defense was pretty good here, but the Yankees did not take on a contract in the mid-20 millions for just a good glove. They definitely expected some offensive contribution as well. Mr. Cashman being on that infamous tape of him saying, oh, we appreciate everything that Gio Rochelle did here, but he's no Josh Donaldson. Give me a break. <laughs> so, Cashman, as usual, the last few years, looking like an absolute fool after saying that with how this Donaldson thing turned out. And the Yankees finally put an end to an experiment that was obviously a disaster from jump. So, the Yankees could not have done anything better than finally doing this. The only way it could have been better was if it was done months prior. And that was it. An absolute nightmarish offensive season in 2022. And then 2023, also absolutely nightmarish offensively, but the most of it was missed with injury, which was a problem of his earlier on in his career. He was often hurt a lot. That did not rear its ugly head in 22. It reared its ugly head in 23. And even when he did play, of course, except for when the planets would line up and he would hit a home run, the offensive numbers were as putrid as you could possibly imagine in your wildest dreams. So finally, the torturous sentence of having Josh Donaldson in the back of our minds as Yankee fans is over. They released him. So that was the first piece of news. After that, heading into September, what teams usually do is sometimes, especially for expiring contracts, they'll place some players on waivers, and the Yankees actually did that to Harrison Bader. Obviously, Bader being one of a few expiring contracts that are done after this year who they did not manage to deal at the trade deadline because obviously we know the Yankees did nothing at the trade deadline. So, Bader was placed on waivers and he had until September 1st to be picked up by somebody. Unfortunately, that means that instead of maybe dealing with the trade deadline and getting something back for him, that unfortunately means that another team could just pick him up and then you, you've lost Bader for virtually nothing. So, and that is unfortunately what would happen because he was claimed by the Reds on Thursday the 31st. So ever since then, for the last week and a half or so, Bader has been on the Cincinnati Reds. He is no longer a Yankee. Obviously a lot of his Yankee time ever since last year's trade deadline, right from jump actually because he was hurt for the first month or so, month plus, but Bader spent a lot of it injured. And when he wasn't hurt, yes, you got moments when he was epic in the playoffs, the best hitter in the playoffs, no doubt. And you had your clutch moments from him even in regular season times. But especially from when you got him back from injury this year for a great deal of time for months to follow after that, right up until he was put on waivers about a week and a half ago, his offense did vanish after a little while. And he was honestly, he became one of the very many players on this team. It was a chore to watch him at the plate. He became one of many who made it that way. 
for us fans. Just really difficult to watch try and hit a baseball at the plate. He became dreadful, like most of everyone else. Obviously, the defense in center field, with the, with the exception of the occasional mistake, which every single human being is going to be victim of at one point or another, his defense was still there, but his offense definitely just completely disappeared. He seemed to have regressed to what he mostly was offensively in a big picture in St. Louis, and they placed him on waivers as a result of it. Contracting to be up after this year, obviously, as we know. People were talking about whether to extend him or not, if it was a risk with his injury history, and is it really even worth keeping him around? Well, that doesn't even have to be a discussion anymore because the Reds picked him up, and at least for the last month of the season, that's where he's going to be spending his time in Cincinnati, which is honestly better for him personally I'm not even going to say just for personal preference. I'm just talking about from a baseball perspective because if you look at the National League wildcard race, the Reds are only a game and a half out of a wildcard, so they're currently in a playoff race right now. So that's better for Harrison himself. But as far as what he would have wanted, and this is the part that makes me sad, this clearly was not what Harrison wanted. Harrison Bader loved being a Yankee, and it broke my heart because in the last interview he gave with Meredith and the media before he headed out of here when he got the news that the Reds had picked him up, he cried, and he got really emotional talking about how much it means to him to have had the opportunity to put the pinstripes on and nobody can take away the time that he had here. Nobody can take away from him that he got to play with the New York Yankees, which was his childhood dream growing up in New York, and it was heartbreaking. It was really sad to watch that interview. I almost got choked up myself because, you know, you got to remember at the end of the day, no matter how hard you are on these guys, you know, unless they're just completely horrible people even off the field, and you can make your own choice about what you want to say towards them, what you want to think about them, but these guys are still human beings, especially someone who is as caring and passionate as Bader was about being a Yankee. Seeing a final interview like that is really heartbreaking because it's it's just sad to see someone like that so torn up about hearing that they're no longer playing for their childhood dream team. It was really sad to see. It really was. He got really emotional. And honestly, and, and some people were even saying, oh, with how awful he was and whatnot, why are we even giving him this like honorable send-off just because he was good in the playoffs for a couple of weeks? Guys, it's even more than that. Like... Not only did he also have other moments that are definitely worth looking back on, both defensively and offensively, even if he did just fall off the map there for the last bunch of weeks he was a Yankee offensively, there are still plenty of things to be appreciative towards Bader for. And also, it just means something to us fans when we have a player who's a part of the organization who visibly shows how much it means to them to be here. And it's not just another team to play for. I know a lot of other guys in history who have been traded to the Yankees or signed with the Yankees have said how much of a dream it is to play for the pinstripes and play in front of these fans and whatnot. You could tell that a lot of them, when being here for a while, either grow sour to it because they can't handle the booing or they just don't like the pressure on them, the media gets to them, they don't like the fans, or they just they don't care about it as much as some others do. Bader was that guy who obviously, visibly, truly, deeply cared about being a Yankee. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten all emotional the way he did in his final interview. And because of that, I can appreciate someone like Harrison Bader, and I will miss him for the sake especially of how much he just loved being here. It just sucks. 
you know, someone who you can just really know for a fact loves to be here. Sucks to lose someone like that, but I do understand also in the same breath that in the last few months here, he fell off. Completely fell off. He still had iconic moments when he came back in the regular season from his first injury, but then towards the end, he just, uh, this year, he just fell off a bit. So, in his last few weeks here, and it sucks. It sucks, but I still felt really bad for him in that interview. So, I wish Harrison Bader nothing but the best for whatever happens for the rest of his career. Nothing but the best. The next day on the 30th, the Yankees, (laughs) they actually released one of the two guys they got at the trade deadline, relief pitching-wise, Spencer Howard, who they got for cash considerations at this year's disgrace of a trade deadline. So, just ended up releasing him anyway, so that's great, I guess. Also, on the 31st, the next day, as I did briefly mention before, Volpe did officially join the 2020 club. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, so congratulations to Anthony Volpe for again being the first Yankee rookie. That's crazy to imagine. To do so, that is an awesome accomplishment. Friday the 1st, this is the day that I mentioned with the roster expanding. The Yankees did call up Austin Wells and Jason Dominguez. They also did recall Randy Vasquez that day. And when it comes to Jason Dominguez, this is a little fun fact that was put out there. At 20 years and 206 days old, On his first day in the big leagues, of course, in his first at-bat, as we remember, in Houston, off of Hall of Famer, or will be definitely first bout Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander, Dominguez hit a home run off him, as we know, which was iconic to see. And that gave him the accomplishment of being at 20 years and 206 days old, the youngest Yankee to ever hit a home run. That's insane. These are a lot of young Yankee things being accomplished for the first time, which are hard to imagine considering how many icons the Yankees have had in their history. And you have guys like Jason Dominguez accomplishing this, being the youngest Yankee to ever hit a home run at 20 years and 206 days old. Anthony Volpe being the first Yankee rookie to be in the 2020 club, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases. It's pretty cool considering all the icons that have played in Yankee history. And guys like Jason Dominguez and Volpe giving you some firsts. So that's pretty awesome. Again, for Jason, the first at-bat in Houston against Verlander. Absolutely unreal to even think about. (laughs) Absolutely crazy. Unfortunately, today, Jason Dominguez was not in the lineup because we got news from the Yankees that he had some elbow discomfort or inflammation. So unfortunately, he's not in the lineup today. Yeah, right elbow inflammation. So it's obvious that at this point... With even Dominguez being somehow hurt, I mean, they're saying it's day-to-day for now, and I assume we'll get an update once this game is over, which, by the way, I just realized just before, Kyle Higashioka actually walked it off. So, in a game where the Yankees got no hit in 10 and a third innings, they actually win 4-3 to and 13. That's actually pretty freaking hysterical. <laughs> now that I think about it, that's funny. Oh my god, they actually managed to win this game. So, they salvage a game in the Brewers series this weekend. They don't get swept. So there's really not much to talk about beyond Burns and Cole being killer in each of their outings throughout most of this game. Yankees being no hit through 10 and a third, and they end up winning 4-3 on a Kyle Higashioka RBI double in the bottom of the 13th to hilariously win this game. That's basically a recap of today. (laughs) So (laughs) that and Dominguez not being in the lineup. So that is very funny that they actually managed to get that win (laughs) today. And... um. As far as Dominguez, which I imagine we'll get an update on shortly with what's going on with him. But uh, it's obvious that 
even with Dominguez dealing with injury problems, from what, who the hell could even know? Uh, God has abandoned the Yankees because if you don't even have Dominguez or even most of the young kids in there able to get their development amidst what's otherwise an already lost season, then that's just one more thing scratched off the list as far as finding meaning throughout all this crap. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh my God. See, I'll, I'll be sure to give you a Dominguez update whenever we get one. I'm sure you'll already have him by the time you're listening to this, but... At the time I'm recording right now, there's nothing else beyond him just having elbow inflammation and it, for now, I guess, being day-to-day. But, again, his home run off Verlander making him the youngest Yankee to ever hit a home run at 20 years and 206 days old. That is crazy. For his first home run to be off Justin Verlander in Houston, who just returned to the Astros, that's insane absolutely insane. So that was awesome to see from Jason. And obviously in the seven games he played, he had four home runs. So he has been off to a hell of a start before this new elbow inflammation today that just developed. So it's been awesome to see him play, no doubt. Like I said earlier in the show, that is a huge W that the Yankees had, bringing him and Austin Wells up to get their development in this final month. I hope this elbow inflammation things up ends up not being much so he can get right back out there and continue to develop. But in any event, that was freaking awesome to see. Made history with that. Aaron Judge also made history that very same night. He hit his 250th career home run already, and that actually made him the fastest player to 250 home runs in Major League Baseball history, doing it in just over 2,900 at-bats. I think it was like 2,917. That's insane. Absolutely crazy. So both Judge and Dominguez doing something pretty damn cool Friday night with a couple of their own home runs. Judge being the fastest to 250 and Dominguez being the youngest Yankee to ever hit a home run. That's crazy stuff. So cool history being made on Friday night, the first, the same night that the rosters expanded and the Yankees got to call up Austin Wells and Jason Dominguez. And Austin Wells also got his first major league hit that night as well in his first at-bat, so that was awesome. Just a lot of good feeling going on that day when it comes to the kids and calling up more and seeing more development and seeing more promise for the future. That's really all that matters at this point, maybe except for another couple of things, if that. On Sunday, Ian Hamilton returned to the injured list with a groin strain, so they recalled Greg Weissert after that, so Ian Hamilton down with injury again, not the first time this year that that happened. On Tuesday, the Yankees had to make a tough decision regarding Anthony Rizzo, and this decision, as crappy as it is, is the right one. They did decide to shut him down for the rest of the year. And there really is no point in bringing Anthony Rizzo back or rushing him back in a year that's meaningless anyway with an injury that clearly had a great effect on him, making him have the worst numbers in his entire career in a two-month stretch following the collision with Fernando Tatis Jr. because his brilliant medical staff came to the conclusion, ultimately, that it does root back to potential concussion issues that he has after that collision. So post-concussion symptoms for Rizzo for those two months, obviously leading to that horrible gameplay that he did, and we all had a feeling that something had to have been up. I mean, something had to have been. Because we had never, ever seen Rizzo that bad or even heard of him being that bad ever in his career. We were talking about that for weeks. Even I was talking about a few weeks after it happened. I was like, these are worse numbers than we have ever seen Rizzo put up in his entire baseball career. Going back to when he first started with the Cubs over 10 years ago. 
So it was just, it's the right decision. As crappy as it is to shut him down for the rest of the year, if the symptoms are even remotely there still, it's not worth forcing him back or rushing him back sooner than when he's ready for. For concussion symptoms that, you know, those are really serious. (laughs) Those could cause permanent damage if they get bad enough and you keep on playing and something bad happens to you on top of the lingering symptoms from the original collision, that could be catastrophic. So just give Rizzo the rest of the year and the entire offseason to rest up. Hopefully, he'll be back to normal by 2024. These are just the kind of cases the Yankees have to deal with on a regular basis because of the luck they have with injuries. This is it right here. So again, as annoying as it is and as upsetting as it is to have to hear reports like this, shutting Rizzo down for the rest of the year is the right thing to do. So we will not see Rizzo again in 2023. On Wednesday, Kanan Middleton, the other one who the Yankees... Picked up at the trade deadline, Middleton was also placed on the 15-day injured list as if the Yankees need any more injuries at this point. Well, why not add another? Added him to the injured list retroactive to the third with right shoulder inflammation. You always love to hear that with a pitcher. They recalled Matt Crook in return for that. And also, another person likely done for the entire year, I would say definitely. At this point, on top of Rizzo, the very next day, the Yankees also announced... That Nestor Cortez is probably done for the year. He obviously hit the injured list a couple of weeks ago again, and much of the year for him obviously filled with injury, and before his first injury, he obviously was not pitching nearly as well as we've all known him to pitch in the last couple of years. So this was just a really bad year for Nestor between how he was doing before his first injury and how often he's been injured throughout the entire year, how much time he's missed. It's been absolutely crazy. And now he's missing even more, and he'll probably be gone for the rest of the entire year. So Nestor, another one down for the rest of 2023. And unfortunately, again, same breath as with the Rizzo news. As long as there's nothing really left to play for, as crappy as it is, it's the right thing to do. Just let them rest for the rest of the year, let them rest for the entire winter, and just hopefully be fresh for next year. That's the goal at this point. 2024 is all that matters. (laughs) 2023 this nightmarish season beyond any of our comprehension, it has no meaning. So anyone injured or even has like a slight thing wrong with them, you want to bring him back? No, shut him down. Shut him down. That's just my opinion. Shut them down at this point. Almost in mid-September, shut them down. And now we're already caught up to a couple of days ago with Yankees news on Friday. This one was sad. Luis Severino, speaking of another one, done for the year, believe it or not. And quite possibly with his Yankee career as well. In the same breath as that. Seve left the game with discomfort in his left side. And he was placed on the injured list shortly after that. And we were waiting on some news after it first happened. Because, I mean, he seemed to be in serious pain on the mound. After only going four innings. His pitching had somewhat improved of late. It was mainly in the three or so starts that he was doing well again against bad teams. But hey, with all the teams he was doing horribly against you take any win you could get with Luis Severino and starting to look a little better here and there he was clearly in higher spirits about it we talked about a couple of weeks ago how he was trotting back to the dugout after his latest good start and he was like all smiles he was in such a good way and you're hoping that was the beginning of sort of a turnaround maybe some people even talking about giving him a one-year prove-it deal all of that flushed right down the drain before our very eyes just on Friday night alone 
because after he did finally get some follow-up news about what was truly wrong and was really causing him that extreme pain that he seemed to be having on his left side, I mean, he was wincing, he was almost doubled over at certain points, he was in a lot of pain after his Friday start. People were thinking, was it maybe his ribs, was it maybe his oblique? I mean, it could have been anything. Well, it did turn out to be an oblique problem. It was a high-grade strain. And because of that, obviously, especially because of the time of the year, he is easily done for the rest of the year. And obviously, as we were talking about for so much throughout this year, this being the last year on his current contract and how likely it is or isn't for the Yankees to bring him back, needless to say, this makes it that much less likely that the Yankees bring him back because... Now he has to end the year on yet another injury, which has plagued him for the better part of the last four years. And to cap it all off, as if you're not feeling bad enough for the guy because he just can't stay out there, and most of the time that he was out there, he was an absolute nightmare this year. A nightmare, statistically amongst the worst pitchers in the entire sport. He addresses the media after the game, and as if you're not upset enough about the whole thing, both in general and for him, because, you know, we just can't even comprehend the season anymore. So, in general, and also just for him, they ask him for details in the injury and everything, and he he started to cry. He got emotional as well. We were talking about how Bader got emotional too when he got the news that he was picked up by the Reds in waivers, and now you see Luis Severino just completely broken. Luis Severino in every single way you could tell done for the year, and now has this injury to which he described it felt like he was shot, he said. And you could tell right when he came to terms with the fact that his season was probably over, and he might have very well thrown, and there's been a big topic of discussion this weekend, as it should be, his final pitch as a Yankee, because you just can't, you can't bring him back at this point. I was saying you can't bring him back even after his couple of good starts. It was just a couple of good starts against a couple of bad teams. And, you know, you still have the grand scope of everything that's happened in the last four years of them, so you still couldn't bring him back. But even more so now, that's not me being heartless or inconsiderate. That's just me being just objective about his on-the-field performances the last four years and just speaking from that perspective. But especially now, to add on to that, it's just more evidence as to not being able to bring him back. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel awful for the guy. I hate seeing guys in post-games, especially after they get like a devastating injury. You saw the same thing happen with DeGrom when he hurt his elbow yet again months ago and had to miss the rest of the year, going down with Tommy John surgery again like this. These are things you just hate to see, truly hate to see. I know there's the expression everyone laughs at, oh, you hate to see, you hate to see it. No, this is crap that you actually hate to see. Players just not being able to stay on the field because their body simply won't let them. No matter how much they want to be out there and how badly they want to just get back on track and stop pitching badly like Severino was doing so much for the last couple of months since his return. And now this derails him again. And his future is so uncertain as to what is next for him. I mean, I don't even know who'd be willing to give him a shot, really. I'm sure somebody out there will. But and just think back on all the potential all the promise 
that Severino had when he first came up years and years ago. And there was a time where he was considered to be the future ace of the team, and he was. He was terrific coming through in the playoffs and just really pitching like someone who could be an ace for the next 15 years. And then right when they signed him to those four years, man, the injuries, and when he was back between those injuries, he was fine. This was really like the main time where he came back from a long-term injury and was just horrendous. So that you have that to add on to it. On top of the injuries prior, he continued to even start this year and miss multiple months into it with an injury, came back, was awful for months, and now, for the last three weeks or so of the season, on top of having been awful prior for the vast majority of the starts for a couple of months, now he has to end this season, and quite possibly his Yankee career, highly possibly his Yankee career, with another injury. It's a crappy situation. Have some human compassion. I do. I feel awful for the guy. I hated watching him cry in the postgame. I never want to see that. I never do. So like I said, I do highly doubt that we will be seeing Severino pitch in a Yankee uniform again. I truly highly doubt it. You just can't. You cannot bring him back. You can't. These last four years were just horrible. Horrible. Not even on the field much of the time, except, you know, outside of this year. Just, he missed so much time, and there is no sign whatsoever of his body changing at all with letting him stay on the field for a consistent amount of time. The injuries just keep on happening. So it sucks. I obviously feel awful for the guy. I think it's very likely that we will not be seeing him in a Yankee uniform again. But you can't bring him back. You could be sad about what the promise was before and how it just didn't live up to it. You could be sad for him, obviously. You could have basic human compassion, like a lot of people out there have not, and they're just crapping on on him all over the place and not giving a damn about him crying. Or I do. I care about it. I have human compassion with that. I'm very upset with how it didn't pan out. I'm very upset with this season in general. I'm very upset with the Yankees and their organization and everything that every Yankee fan could possibly be upset about and is upset about. But I could still have human compassion and feel awful for the guy, and I do. I do. Sorry. So, I do wish the best of luck to Severino. He didn't ask for these last four years to be consumed by injuries. Nobody would. And I feel bad. I do. I feel awful for the crying. I feel awful for how everything turned out to be. Especially given all the promise. I do. I feel terrible. So... Severino, we have probably seen the last of him in a Yankee uniform, believe it or not. With how many years we were waiting for him to take that next step and be like a true ace or maybe a 1B to Garrett Cole being 1A, that's not going to happen anymore. Never panned out. Never got to see him back long term from an injury. And when we did get to see him back for a couple of months this year, he was terrible. Fastball was flat. Breaking stuff he actually had some success with here and there still, but the fastball especially was just, it didn't have the same same movement and the same, even at times, velocity that it did before. Sometimes he'd drop down to 93 miles an hour. We talk about it a lot here. I analyzed his pitches a lot throughout these last couple of months of him being terrible for the vast majority of his starts. And now this is where we land. He's done for the year and probably done as a Yankee for good. So... Severino on the injured list for the rest of the year and likely done as a Yankee. Marinaccio is recalled. 
as a result of that, and then optioned right back down along with Matt Crook after the game on Friday. And in exchange for those two, the Yankees today recalled Matt Bowman and left-handed relief pitcher Anthony Misevich. And up to this point, that's all your Yankees news, guys, between injuries and roster updates and all that crap. These last couple of weeks, a lot did happen, like I said. That's all your news updates. And right now, we're just waiting for an update on Jason Dominguez, basically. I do want to know if there's even more to it just being day-to-day from what they made it sound like earlier on, or if there's a bigger problem here. Obviously, you hope with every fiber of your being that it's not a bigger problem, because... One of the only things you're hanging your hat on right now is seeing him continue to develop in the amazing fashion that he has. So, if uh, if this ends up being continuing to be a small thing, then fine. But if it ends up being a big thing, well, we think God has abandoned the Yankees now. <laughs> Jeez. So, in the meantime, why don't we move on to weekly recap. We'll recap much of what happened the last couple of weeks. All the way to today, obviously there is actually a decent amount of winning in these last couple of weeks between especially the Astros sweep, and you got a lot of Tigers games here. The Yankees actually handled them pretty well, but then they're right back to losing this weekend against the Brewers, for instance. So why don't we chat some Yankees baseball, unfortunately. We won't go too in-depth because, you know, the games are meaningless, so I don't really care to go too in-depth with them. But we'll talk about them a bit. Let's talk a bit about the last two weeks of Yankees action. So let's jump into that yapping Yankees time machine and head back to two weeks ago. Let's do it. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I am at a loss for words. Well, this must be pretty confusing for you because you just got the yapping Yankees time machine sound effect. And it's only been a few seconds for you, but I actually just got back from taking like a 10-minute breather just now, and then just started up recording again, and literally two minutes ago, this is as fresh of a reaction as you're going to get. Notification comes through from Bleacher Report. The Martian, which, as we all know, is Jason Dominguez's nickname. (laughs) God. Yankees star rookie Jason Dominguez has torn elbow ligament. Torn right UCL. Holy crap! Yeah, that's appropriate. Also barely scratching the surface. Ulnar collateral ligament, guys. What does that usually mean? Yeah, you probably guessed it by now if you've been watching baseball long enough. Tommy John surgery. The only question I have is, from what? From what? What (laughs) What happened? So much for what I was saying before about it hopefully not being anything big because that would really just drive a dagger into one of the most important things left in a lost season being the development of the kids wow and I said that God has abandoned the Yankees before when it was still just elbow inflammation oh my god so yeah Jason's Done for the year. After a fantastic first week where he hit four home runs, 
Had an OPS barely under 1,000 in his first week in the big leagues. Can you even make it up anymore? Go ahead and try to tell me with a straight face that this team is not cursed. I dare you. You'll fail. Because nobody could possibly say that with a straight face. Holy crap. Like <laughs> this, this is like surreal. I'm sorry for all the long pauses. It's not good for, for audio, radio, podcast content. But I mean, can you blame me? This is... I don't believe it. Jason Dominguez, what from, I couldn't tell you, has a torn UCL. From what? Oh my god. This season's gotta end. It's gotta end. Please. Enough, I beg. Enough with 2023. (laughs) Enough. It's even taking away a 20-year-old young phenom from us. Oh my god. Jason was one of, like, probably the biggest thing I was excited about for this last week. That we were all excited about for this last week heading up to the end of the season. Where almost nothing else matters. You also have the other kids, Peraza, Pereira, Wells, and Volpe himself. Even Cabrera, who's been back, like, them developing, I guess. But, like, Jason was the biggest one with the most attention around him the last week, especially given how he has started his career in his first week. Oh, my God, this is catastrophic. Oh, my God. I cannot believe this. I can, but I can't. Oh, my God. Now, I know that position players usually don't take as much time as pitchers do when they get Tommy John, but I'd have to imagine this is at least six, seven months. I have to imagine. Holy mother of God, bro. I I, I am out of words. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. Other than this season desperately needs to come to an end as soon as possible. I never say that about baseball, but you know what? Of all the crap we have had to endure with the Yankees in 2023, I'm sorry guys, this is the straw that has broken the camel's back. I actually want this Yankees season to be over. That is the first time in my 16 years watching the game, being a diehard Yankees fan, that those words have left my lips. I want this season over. I mean, basically everybody, maybe with the exception of a couple of people, and I'd even keep them shut down, are already going to be shut down for the rest of the year who are on the injured list right now because of how little time there is left and because there's no meaning in the season. But now you're even losing Jason Dominguez right when he's called up after how he was tearing up the minors, tearing up the big leagues in his first week. 
And now the beginning of his 2024 season's even in jeopardy. Oh my God. Oh my God. I cannot believe this. Oh my God. Good Lord in heaven almighty. You couldn't write this crap. I'm speechless. I I don't know what else to add. I I don't I don't know what else to say. <laughs> That's your latest, guys. Talk about the episode title, Finding Meaning. Well, a big chunk of that was just ripped from our grasp. Jason Dominguez was an incomprehensible portion of that little meaning remaining in 2023. And now not only are we going to not see him for the rest of the way out, but we could actually probably also not see him for the start of 2024. I've got to have someone give me a timetable on how long it usually takes position players to come back from Tommy John surgery. I'm pretty sure it's at least like seven months or something like that. Six or seven months. So now it's September. If he gets the surgery immediately, that takes us... Six months takes us to March. So that's spring training time. And then assume he has to get up and running after that. I... I Maybe he could be back in April or May. Maybe. But even so, that's after having to miss out the last few weeks of him tearing it up here already. And then him still missing a month or two next season, even in that case. This is so bad, guys. This organization is in shambles. And with Dominguez being gone now, this has just reached levels of catastrophe. This is truly awful. The Yankees have not seen these kinds of days in so many years. This is the most nightmarish season I ever could have imagined in my wildest dreams heading into this year. I cannot even comprehend this anymore, and I need it to end. Just go through the motions these last few weeks. I don't even care anymore. Whatever brings us to the end quicker, do it. I am so checked out. I'm more checked out than the Yankee lineup is, and that's hard to say, even though they did have a a nice win there ultimately. A funny win, I should say. Not even nice, just funny. Ten to third of no hits at all, and then managing to pull it out and extras winning four to three. That's funny. But I am just checked out the hell out, man. I'm done. 2023 season has got to end. All right, let's just breeze through these last couple of weeks of action that we... (laughs) God almighty. I don't even want to do the rest of the show. (laughs) I'm being totally honest with you. After reading that news, I, I just want to stop doing the show. I am so checked out at this point. And in about an hour, you know, obviously this weekend, it's it's the first weekend of football which already has a lot of attention from baseball, especially in New York, being taken away. Because not only are the Giants and Jets both supposed to actually be good this year, but the Yankees and Mets, why stick around with them? They both stink. So that's that much more of an excuse for people to not watch. And I'm actually interested in seeing what the Giants do tonight in Week 1. As you all know, I'm a Giants fan, or at least most of you probably know that I'm a big Giants fan. So... 
after seeing this news, I'd rather just wait out for the Giant game rather than just do the rest of this episode because I am so discouraged, upset, sad, lost, and checked out at this point. I, I don't even know what to say. Okay, the first game of the four-game set in Detroit from a couple of weeks ago. The Yankees won this one 4-1. to one. Luis Severino pitched. This was one of the couple of really good starts I was talking about that he, ha- that he had. Seven innings, shutout, eight strikeouts, had a terrific start. And the four runs the Yankees scored in this game were on an RBI double by Glaber in the top of the fifth. A solo shot by Judge in the top of the seventh is 29th of the year, making it 2 nothing. Glaber hitting a solo shot of his own is 21st of the year, making it 3 nothing. And Oswaldo Cabrera with an RBI single in the top of the eighth, making it 4 nothing, and that led to it being a 4-1 to victory, ultimately. So Luis Severino throwing a gem, only giving up five hits in seven innings, no walks, no nothing, very good control of the stuff. And striking out eight, so that was nice to see. Luizga and Holmes closed it up. Yankees won four to one to start that series. The next day they would win by a very similar score, four to two. And in this one, Michael King started it, and they've actually tried to convert Michael King in the last few starts to being a starter, which is very interesting. He's actually done very well. He's done incredibly well in this new role, and this was another good outing to add to it. Four shutout innings to start the game. Brito would take over after and pitch three and a third shutout, so both of them combining for seven and a third shutout innings, so very nice. Combined eight strikeouts, only two walks, both from Brito. So very nice starting outing for Michael King yet again, and he would continue to build on that going forward. And the Yankee runs came from a solo shot by Glaber in the top of the first, making it one nothing. his 22nd of the year, as Glaber continues to be, in my opinion, the best hitter on this Yankee team in 2023. Top of the fifth, Kyle Higashioka homered as well for his 10th time of the year. Solo shot made it 2 nothing. Then they scored in a passed ball. Aaron Judge came home to score in the top of the sixth, made it 3 nothing. Anthony Volpe with the fourth run of the game on a solo shot in the top of the ninth, his 19th homer of the year. And the Tigers added on two in the bottom of the ninth, making it a 4-2 to final. Brito got the win on the day. So the Yankees won the first two of the series. The third game, they would win 6-2. to Garrett Cole started this one, and, well, what do you know, another nice start for him. Didn't necessarily have his absolute best, but still turned into a fine outing. Six innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. He would get the win on the day, as he deserves. He's had so many of them taken away from him, as we have well discussed to this point. So that made him 12-4. and And the offense did a very nice job starting early on yet again. Stanton with an RBI single. Everson Pereira also got hit by a pitch with the bases loaded, so that drove in a run and gave him an RBI. DJ, who continued his power hitting of late, we mentioned on the last episode that he had really found his power swing lately, continued to do so these last couple of weeks. Top of the second solo shot is 13th, made it 3-0. Everson Pereira again, even though last time it was just hit by a pitch, this time it was a hit. RBI single made it 4-0 in the top of the third. Then up 4-1, to one, Glaber hit another home run, his 23rd, making it 5-1. to one. Stanton hit his 20th of the year, making it 6-1, to one, a solo shot. Final score, 6-2. to two. They would try to go for the sweep in Detroit on Thursday, but they would unfortunately fail to do so because the offense was an absolute corpse until the very end of the game, until Anthony Volpe tied the game at 3 with a huge 3-run homer down to their last out of the game. So a really nice clutch 
three-run shot for Volpe, his 20th home run of the year, and again, that was what pushed him into the 2020 club, so congratulations to him. And the Tigers had put up their three runs earlier on against Clark Schmidt, who started the game four and two-thirds, six hits, three runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts, so definitely not one of his best starts, but not a catastrophe either, obviously. But it also did not help that in the bottom of the fifth, with him still on the mound, that there was poor infield defense by Glaber Torres, both in this inning and at the very end of the game as well, which would end up being the error tallied on the board for the Yankees. So that fifth inning went a little bit worse than it should have, if not for some bad defense there for Clark Schmidt. But then Anthony Volpe tied it up, and the Yankees, of course, would end up losing in the bottom of the 10th after they failed to score in the top of the 10th because the Yankees can't buy runs for most of this season, as we know. But uh, yeah, throwing error by Gleyber Torres to end the game, and a brutal one at that with Jonathan Luizaga on the mound. So he would take a loss for that, even though it wouldn't hurt his ERA because it was the ghost runner that scored. But um, but a really horrible throw by Gleyber to end that game, and the Yankees could not complete the sweep. That was when they would move on to Houston over the weekend. So a nice series in Detroit, I guess. Three out of four is fine. And it was a wonderful series in Houston. This is really the series that got people looking back at the standings. And while I was really hyped at how the series went there, definitely wasn't looking at no standings. I wasn't being fooled on an overall basis. But on Friday, this is the big day on September 1st when Jason Dominguez homered in his first at-bat ever off of Justin Verlander of all freaking pitchers. And Aaron Judge hit his 250th home run. They would win 6-2 convincingly in Houston, and again, I understand the Astros have been brutal at home this year, but credit where credit's due, man. Still sweeping on the road, given the kind of games and series that the Yankees have inexcusably lost this year. You want to make believe this is no big deal, especially considering the kids were up and doing amazing things. I consider this to be a big deal, even if I still in the same breath acknowledge that the season is over. I mean, both can be true. So, starting this game was Carlos Rodon. He went five innings along, three hits, two runs, one walk, and four strikeouts, so not the best of starts, but the offense continued to have his back, so he did get the win on the day, making him 2-4 and four in a season since he's gotten back from injury that has been pretty freaking awful for him. So, that was nice for him to have a better start, I suppose, even better with what the offense did. DJ LeMay, who actually started the game with a solo shot, more power for him, 14th shot of the year giving the Yankees a 1-0 lead, and then after that, in the same inning, this was obviously the big home run that everybody was going nuts about. Jason Dominguez in his first at-bat ever, seeing how he was tearing up AAA, tearing up the minors overall, and hearing about all the power he has, all the skill and talent that he has. He comes up in the major leagues, first at-bat against Justin freaking Verlander, and sends a huge message putting the Yankees up 3-0 with an oppo taco two-run shot from the left-hand side of the plate. We all know that Jason is a switch hitter. And my God, do I feel awful talking about this now. All I feel is sadness when I should feel joy talking about this after the news that I just got a few minutes ago. <sighs> so that made it 3-0 at the time. Then when they were up 3-1, Giancarlo Stanton hit a two-run shot, I would say, to Mars for his 21st home run of the year, right down the left field line, and we could not even see where the ball went. Freaking atom bomb, top of the third. So that put the Yankees up 5-1, had them feeling pretty good at that point. Top of the fifth, this is when Aaron Judge hit his 250th career home run, his 30th of the year. This gave them a 6-2 lead, a solo shot. 
So very nice for Aaron. And that was the final score after the bullpen managed to hold the Astros down. Yankees win 6-2. On Saturday, they'd win a much closer one, 5-4, but it was still a really nice win. Very well done by the Yankees. Really enjoyed it. Luis Severino started this one. And again, back to not really doing that well. So the two real good starts, Nationals and Tigers mainly. Four innings, six hits, four runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. So not the best of outings. Brito really ate up the vast majority of the game. Three and two-thirds scoreless after Luis Severino allowed the the four. So Brito really did a nice job at holding it down. And then Wandy and Clay Holmes combining for an inning and a third after that holding the Astros off the board as well, did the same towards the end of the game. Very nice job in the 8th and ninth innings there, Brito carrying that middle part of the game, really. But there's a lot of back-and-forth action to start, so the Yankees showing some good spirit here. Oswald Peraza getting them on the board first in the top of the second with an RBI single, and Oswaldo Cabrera with a bases-loaded walk, so 2-0 in the second inning. Astros answered right back on a Michael Brantley two-run shot, though. But Aaron Judge did, too, right after that 31st homer of the year. Solo shot making it 3-2. And then in the bottom of the fourth with Seve still on the mound, he unfortunately gave the lead right back. I mean, we all when we saw a base runner, I think a lot of us felt like, you know, Severino is probably just going to fall apart again, and he did. So two-run shot by Diaz, put them back out 4-3. to three. But then the kids combined in the top of the fifth to put the Yankees back out in front. This is the kind of crap you want to see in a meaningless season right now. Austin Wells, sack fly, Everson Pereira, RBI single. Pereira has obviously for the most part struggled at the plate as we know, but what's important right now is that he gets to develop. That's the most important thing. And it's nice when you get to see him sprinkling some real clutch hits like he did here. So that put them in the lead 5-4. They didn't look back. Brito, Wandy, and Clay Holmes took care of the rest. Yanks won 5-4. Sunday, can they do the unthinkable? The last place, crappy 2023 Yankees. Can they sweep the Astros in Houston? And they actually managed to. Another start for Michael King. And against the Astros in Houston, this man turned in another very nice outing. This conversion to a starter is going very well. And it could be coming at a perfect time, especially with Luis Severino being done and just the rotation being in the state that it's in. If Michael King can become a successful starter, hell, why not? <laughs> five innings, five hits, only one run, and four strikeouts. And then after that, Canely, Luizaga, and Holmes would combine for four shutout innings to finish it off after that. That's a winning formula, man. It's only one run allowed the entire game, and that was allowed at the very beginning in the top of the first just on a sacrifice fly, and then he just nailed it down after that. Beautifully done. And then after he was done in the top of the sixth, that's when the Yankee offense finally decided to get to work. DJ LeMayhew, RBI double, his 19th double of the year. So nice job by him, tying the game at one. Jason Dominguez, again, <laughs> for runs two and three in the game. Just like in the first game of the series, another two-run shot, his second major league home run. Just continuing to tear it up. Gave the Yankees a three-to-one lead. And then in the top of the ninth, the Yankees got some insurance. Glaber Torres, another home run. This was awesome because he hit the train in left center field, way up on the train tracks. And he did the motion as if like someone operating a train pulls down on the horn <laughs> twice. That was really funny. So Glaber just continues to be, you know, outside of his boneheaded defensive mistakes and even base running mistakes that he has at times, just continues to be a W, mainly offensively at the plate this year. I know a lot of people are really against 
bringing him back and extending him. I know a lot of people are, but I mean, being the hitter that he's been in 2023, he's at least made a bit of a case for himself. You can't argue that. You can't. I mean, where else are you going to get that power? And honestly, overall production at the plate from many other second basemen in the game. Not really often at all from just about anybody else. Second base usually isn't a heavy offensive position. I know that his his mental mistakes, just the mistakes where he just showcases a real lack of focus, it could really be infuriating. I totally understand that, and I hear you. I've been frustrated by it many times myself, as many of you know, but especially at the plate, he has made a case for himself, man. His overall numbers, solid. And after that, awesome, funny home run and celebration, Austin Wells, with his first big league double, drove in a run, made it 5-1. to one. And then Oswald Peraza, with an RBI double of his own, made it 6-1. to one. Oswald has come around a bit, although his overall offensive numbers could still use some work. But the more playing time he continues to get, the better he seems to be improving a bit and just getting more looks at the plate. That's what it's all about. Just keep on throwing him out there. That's why also in today's game, it was really infuriating to me not to see Austin Wells in there either. Like, where is Wells? Why is Rortvet getting playing time over him? I mean, I guess it was probably just because of Garrett Cole and Wartvet had actually been catching him a lot lately, but I mean, come on. Wells has got to be getting those looks. Even later on in the game when Bowers pinch hit for Wartvet instead of... I was, I was like, where is Austin Wells? Like, what the hell? These are the things... Even the Yankees can screw that up too. Even when it just doesn't even matter, when it's obvious as to what they should do, you need to take any chance you could possibly get to get the kids as many looks as possible. You even botch that. So stupid. But anyway, the offense did get to work in the second half of that game, gave them a 6-1 to victory and a really unexpected sweep in Houston. That was awesome. That was a really, really nice weekend, and especially having just called up Wells and Dominguez on top of the recalls that they had before, being Oswald Peraza, and then calling up Pereira for the first time, and now calling these two up, and having that happen all weekend, sweeping the Astros in Houston, and interrupting their race for first place in the AL West at the time, that was great. <laughs> Even one of the other things that I mentioned as in a meaningless season, just trying to find any sort of meaning and positive that could come out of it, one of the things that I mentioned was, you know, the Yankees never really find themselves in this position. They usually have this being done to them because they're usually the ones in contention. But a lot of times I feel like a lot of teams who are out of it have really just played the Yankees extra hard to give them trouble in their in their contention race, whether it be for a wild card or the division. Now the Yankees could do that for others, and I feel like that's what they did with the Astros, and that was really funny. (laughs) The bickering between the fan bases got extra funny around then because obviously they're trashing the Yankees, and rightfully so, for being in last place. But then, you know, the Yankee fans, all of us, we have the right to say also, well, you could trash us for being last place, or you could get on your team for allowing this crap team to beat your team. (laughs) Both valid points. Uh, It was just a fun weekend. In a lot of sad and disappointing and just painful times, you got to try to find the silver lining, and that was definitely a silver lining, the weekend in Houston. Just when you thought it could be anything but, and the Yankees were going to be absolutely thrashed all over town, the opposite happened against all of our expectations, so... They got the day off on Monday, and then Tuesday they returned to play. They saw the Tigers again. So that's why I said a bunch of games against the Tigers. They saw them more than once in the last couple of weeks, once in Detroit and once here. So they returned to the Bronx. Garrett Cole got this first start, and again, not having his absolute best because he did give up eight hits in six innings. But he did manage to keep them off the board and only allowed one run, so mainly kept them off the board. Didn't Didn't walk anybody, so that's good as well. And struck out seven. 
and he would still get the win on the day because the Yankee offense would get into action and take the lead right when he was done, so just in the nick of time to ensure that he would get a win, which he definitely deserved, because he still battled through it. I appreciate that, and that's another real sign of an ace, if we, as we've spoken about many times. It's a real characteristic of an ace. So, didn't have his best, but still battled through for six innings and one run. Granted, it is a crappy Tigers team, but listen, everybody's got their bad days, and he still made the best of it. Yankee offense obviously was really quiet, though, for most of it, outside of, of a solo shot in the bottom of the first by DJ. That was really when they mainly went quiet, and then when Garrett allowed his first and only run in the top of the sixth, you were hoping that they would answer back in the bottom of the sixth so that he could at least get a win. And that is what they did. In the bottom of the sixth, Stanton hit a two-run shot, and this was his 400th home run. So again, as I said earlier in the show, even though it has been a season to forget, to say the very least, for John Carlos Stanton, I would go as far to say, and he would even say, a disgraceful season for him. It is at least really cool that he got to hit his 400th career home run. Did get a curtain call and a standing ovation, as he deserved for that, because that is a really good achievement, 400 home runs. Cannot be minimized. But it also did give the Yankees a 3-1 to lead, so again, congrats to Giancarlo on that. And then Glaber Torres in the bottom of the eighth with even more insurance, doing what he's done best this season, just continue to add on runs. Two-run double driving home Judge and Dominguez. Made it 5-1, to and that was the final with Cole again getting the win, his 13th of the year. On Wednesday, they'd face the Tigers again. Obviously, Schmidt started this game. He went 6-3, allowing just three runs, five hits, and striking out six, not walking anybody. So a pretty nice outing for him. He mainly just allowed the one run in the top of the first on an RBI single by Kerry Carpenter. And then all the way in the seventh, right before he was taken out, he gave up an RBI single to Andy Abanez and a sack fly to Parker Meadows. So... One run in the top of the first, and then two at the very end of his outing. So the vast majority of it, he did a very nice job. And the Yankee offense continued to have his back all throughout after he gave up that first inning run. DJ, RBI single, tied the game at one. Bottom of the third, Jason Dominguez with his third home run, his first Yankee Stadium home run, so that was awesome. A line drive into right center field, making it two to one. And they even asked him, what do you, uh, what do you like most about Yankee Stadium? He said that... uh that right field. <laughs> I also love some of the uh, off-field comments he gave. Like, he even said, I think it was with an, in an interview with Meredith, I think. She asked him, like, what's the best part about being a big leaguer so far? Like, being a major leaguer. And he was like, being a major leaguer. <laughs> uh, I love the kid. And who the hell knows when the next time is we're going to see him. Oh, God, stay on course, Mike. Stay on course. Don't let the depression get to you. So that gave him a 2-1 to one lead. That line drive, his third home run, first Yankee Stadium home run. Oswald Peraza, RBI double, made it 3-1. to one. And then Glaber Torres, RBI single, made it 4-1 to one in the bottom of the fourth. And as I said before, Clark Schmidt allowed those two in the seventh. And so the final would be 4-3 to three Yankees win. They would try to go for the sweep on Thursday, and this game was just really ugly. Rodon started this one, and it was just terrible. Three and two-thirds, eight hits, seven runs, didn't walk anybody, and only struck out four. Seven runs in three and two-thirds. To say he got booed, which honestly he deserved, 
Because not only is it against a crappy Tigers team, but I mean, since he's been back for the vast majority of it, he has just been dreadful. I don't know if there's still something ailing going on with him, and it's just a matter of having this season end so he could rest this winter and then come back fresh next year and hopefully rebound, show some semblance of his old self that used to be beyond dominant. But start of this contract, they ain't been pretty, man. It has not been pretty. You can't sugarcoat it. First year, nothing short of a disaster. But you have to hope he rebounds because he's got plenty of years left and the Yankees committed to him nicely. So the Yankees debacle of not being able to sign competent starting pitching, you know, outside of Garrett Cole, obviously, just continues <laughs> to sign, trade for, develop. Just constant failures outside of Cole, really. It's it's just embarrassing. So... I mean, we don't even really need to talk about this one. He just had a horrible outing. Yankee offense only put up three runs. And it was on a Glaber solo shot, went down 2 nothing. This was 25th of the year at the time, so very nice by Glaber having 25 home runs as a second baseman. And then when they were down 8-1 in the bottom of the fourth, Pereira got a two-run double, if you even care. So, still won two out of three, but an embarrassing loss to end the series. Another horrible start by Rodon, leaving a horrible taste in everyone's mouth. So there's that. Then the Brewers came to town this weekend, as we know. Now we're basically caught up. Already recapped today's game, so we'll just talk about the last two. But pretty much, this game was really bad as well. Starting this one was uh, Luis Severino. This is the one where he left the game with the left side discomfort that we all now know to be a high-grade left oblique strain. So this one definitely had everyone feeling down, especially Luis Severino himself, to say the least. So... Definitely a day to forget. Brito came in after him, allowed a run. Loisaga gave up two, and then Weissert also in one inning gave up three. Didn't look good himself. So just pitching on this game just did not have it. And the Yankee offense only scored two in the bottom of the third on a Jason Dominguez two-run shot to put them ahead 2 nothing at the time. They were the first ones to score, but then after that, it was just a disaster. Actually, in this game, I mean, outside of that, two-run shot by Dominguez, the Yankees only had two other hits the entire game. Judge had a single, he also had two walks, so Judge had a nice day. And then Peraza had a hit as well. So, Yankee offense, dead, pitching, disaster, that's the outcome. Saturday, well, I guess seeing a bunch of legends, seeing the 98 team reunited, getting to talk to Jeter and getting to talk to all these icons, getting to see them celebrating Old Timers Day, the 75th one at that, and it being an awesome day, despite there being no game, which sucks. They say that they don't have enough of the guys anymore, and the ones who are there that could play don't feel like it, so I know a lot of people have strong opinions about that. It makes me sad, too, because part of the charm of it was definitely the game. It was most of the charm, actually. Except for just seeing like the really old legends, too. That was definitely part of it as well, but... It is what it is. Still a really special day to see everybody and just witness them all, reminisce, have them give wisdom to the young guys, just having their presence there, knowing that they're watching you. You'd think that it would inspire something, anything, I don't know, anything at all? (laughs) I guess not, but Michael King started this one again, turned in another nice outing, five innings, so he can go at least five, and he's got to keep building up his pitch count as it goes along. Four hits, two runs, only one of them earned, and he struck out nine, only walking one. So, that was a really nice outing by Michael King. And he really did only 
allow one legitimate run, and that was because the Yankee defense just decided to look like a Little League team yet again. So again, I guess they were just really inspired to see the legends and all the greatness because it immediately resulted in them not having a single hit offensively in the top of the fourth and then putting on a defensive clown show in the top half. So, yeah, really inspired. (laughs) Freaking joke. So Willie Adamas hits one off the wall. Stanton plays it terribly, throws it back in. DJ gets the ball at first base and then throws a horrible throw down to third with Adamas trying to advance to third because he was going for a triple, and he did get it, but the ball got away because it was a horrible throw by DJ. So then Willie Adamas got a Little League home run, pretty much. So it was a Little League two-run shot. (laughs) So embarrassing. So embarrassing. It's crazy. But then in the bottom of the fourth, thankfully, the Yankees miraculously managed to tie it up. Anthony Volpe, RBI single. And then on a fielder's choice, Peraza reached because the throw to second was beaten out by Pereira, thankfully. So, Giancarlo came on to score on that as well, so that tied the game at two. But then I guess they just didn't really feel like playing all that much afterwards because the bullpen collectively collapsed, the offense died. Loisica, surprisingly, in one inning of work, actually just kind of fell apart. Five hits and three runs, giving up a home run as well. Matt Crook did an absolutely horrible job. So... Combine that, them giving up a combined seven runs (laughs) and the offense just dying. Obviously not much is going to get done. So that's two losses in a row now, even after Old Timers Day, which stinks always. It's really embarrassing for the legends to be there and watch that crap. (laughs) So not not a fun experience, especially given the fact that after Thursday, the Yankees had actually managed to fight their way back to being a game over 500. And now, coming into today, they were two games back under. So, that's the way it goes, I guess. But nonetheless, today's game, like I had said before, no need to really recap. Ten and a third, the Yankees were no hit. Garrett Cole getting another undeserved no decision. No surprise there. No surprise by the no decision. And yet they hilariously still managed to fight their way to a 4-3 to victory. All runs scored in extras. One in the 11th, two in the 12th by each, and then the Yankees scoring the final run in a Higgy RBI double in the bottom of the 13th, hilariously salvaging a game in this three-game disastrous set at Yankee Stadium against Milwaukee. As the Yankees still find themselves a game under 500, heading into a four-game set against the Red Sox, which leads me into what's ahead for this coming week, not that it really matters from a meaningful standpoint, especially given the fact that Dominguez is not going to be around anymore. That makes it even more meaningless than it was already before. Tomorrow, obviously, it is September 11th. Tomorrow would be a very somber day, very sad day around the entire nation, especially for us New Yorkers here. So I'm not looking forward to that as I never look forward to it every year. But 7.10 p.m. Eastern start tomorrow at Fenway Park, Yankees and Red Sox. Tomorrow's pitching matchup is set to be Cutter Crawford against Clark Schmidt. Tuesday will also be at 7.10. Rodon is set to take the mound again that day. Wednesday at 7.10 as well. Yankees not announced a starter for that. 7.15 Eastern on Thursday. Michael King is set to start that game. And then Friday they head over to Pittsburgh for a three-game set there. First game of that series will be at 6.35 Eastern as will Saturday the 16th. And Sunday the 17th. Next Sunday when we speak again, that'll be at 1.35 Eastern. 
All right, my friends, so let's move on now that we're caught up to the social media segment. It has been a while since we've done one, so I figured I'd hit you with a Q&A. You ask, I answer. So in the last few minutes or so of the show here, let's get through as many questions as possible. I'll answer as many as I can. And I say the last few minutes because I'm going to keep this short because, like I said before, I wasn't kidding. Especially after the Dominguez news, I got to be just really frank with you. I just kind of don't feel like doing the show anymore. <laughs> I'm just so, like, upset by that. That really bothered me. It really did. That was, like, the main chunk of what I was so happy about when they called him up and how good he was doing and seeing him for the rest of the season and now even knowing that a portion of his 2024 season is probably going to be impacted. I'm just so beyond upset about this. I can't put it into words. So let's just get to answering some questions, I guess. At Yankee Ken is first saying, what are your thoughts on the fire Cashman protest that's being held at the Yankees Diamondback game later this month? Well, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's the same way that I feel about every protest. You know, everybody's got a right to speak their mind in this country. First Amendment, freedom of speech. So as long as it doesn't turn violent and people don't get hurt, people are allowed to speak their mind on how they feel about Brian Cashman and his job performance. Lord knows that I agree with the sentiment because <laughs> I want Cashman fired, um, which I am definitely aware of the fact that I have a better chance of hitting Lotto than that happening, especially anytime soon, if ever. But uh, as long as nobody gets hurt, I guess I'm okay with it. Just speak your mind peacefully, same way that I feel about all protests, I suppose. At 7 Trivia asks, why did Boone bring in Loisiga when he threw a ton of pitches the day before? Why does Boone make most of the bullpen decisions that he makes? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> I don't know. It's not that it even matters anyway, because the games don't matter. They they just don't. So I, I don't I don't know. That's a question for him. I really just I don't get it anymore. <laughs> just defeated in case you can't tell. At Matthew five four zero two seven five asks, Will the Yankees pursue Otani in the offseason, or is there too much money on the books with Judge Stanton? Rodon, Cole, etc. Well, I definitely think the too much money being on the books is definitely a factor as to why they would never pursue him, but I just don't think they will in general. I don't think Otani would want to come here in the first place like it was voiced when he first got here that he didn't really want to be on the East Coast or just with the Yankees. I, I, regardless, it just seemed like he was very anti-East Coast. So I just don't think he's going to be coming around here. If he does, I guess it would be to the Mets. I just don't see the Yankees pursuing him. I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. Especially with the latest thing happening with Otani in the last couple of weeks. I don't think it happened when we spoke two weeks ago about him tearing his UCL. So he's going to need surgery now. And uh, they say it shouldn't impact his ability to DH. But uh, he's obviously not going to be pitching for a long time. It's weird with him though, because they say that the part of the UCL that he had repaired in 2018, that part's still intact from the best of my understanding, but there's still a part of it that needs to be repaired, so I think they were talking about it being like a less invasive surgery this time or something like that, so it wouldn't be as much time away from pitching, and it still wouldn't impact his DHing, but he's obviously still not going to be pitching for some time, so that is inevitably going to impact his value at least a bit. So, it'll be interesting to see how much. I think he'll still make a crap ton of money because he's still a fantastic hitter. I don't know how much having a torn UCL is even going to impact his hitting. I imagine at least a little, <laughs> but I, I just don't think either way, even despite the circumstances, I don't see the Yankees pursuing him. I, I just 
I don't think it's very likely. I think they're very likely to be just looking at other areas. I know that there's other potential international prospects that they're looking at. They could just go down a lot of routes, but I don't think Otani's one of them. I, I really don't. All right, up next, let's see which question we'll go to. We'll go to Rebecca at Peace Now for Life asking, Maddie and I want to ask if you think the kids, Dominguez, Peraza, Wells, Pereira, will all be starters on the team next year, or will they be back in the minors? Oh, this is such a sad question to have to answer now. Thank you for the question, though, Rebecca. And shout out to you and Maddie as well, your daughter. Um, well, Dominguez is going to be on the injured list. <laughs> God, I hate saying that. Oh, why can't we just have nice things? Why can't we have nice things? Why must we suffer? Oh, God. Uh, Peraza, Wells, and Pereira. I don't know. Peraza and Pereira are kind of questions. Wells better be up here. You know, assuming he finishes off this last month, unless he gets hurt too. Don't tempt fate, Mike. Better uh, knock on wood there. God's sake. Um, But yeah, he should definitely be here next year should Wells be definitely uh, Pereira and Peraza more of a question they should be I think they have a chance to develop more but then also it's like where do you where do you put Peraza especially like Pereira I guess you could continue to give him more chances in the outfield but like Peraza especially if you're going to have if Rizzo's healthy again a lot of ifs that's the problem we just don't know right now Rizzo's got to be healthy next year to retake first you got to see if, if Glaber's brought back. That's another factor. Volpe's obviously going to be here. And DJ, assuming they hang on to Torres and Rizzo's healthy, then DJ's probably going to be a third base more regularly than not and where you put Peraza's. But it's just it's it depends on a lot of what happens this winter. That's a tough question. So there's a lot of factors that have to be considered. And Pereira, I mean, unless they address the outfield in another way, I imagine he'll still be up here. But we'll we'll see. A lot of it depends on what they do this winter. A lot of it. All right, let's just do a few more, honestly. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my buddy James. James asks, will Hal actually do something in the front office to change the philosophy of how this team runs? Hal was the one that ordered Cashman to call up the kids. Two, do the Yankees fire Boone? And three, should the Yankees eat the remaining years on Stanton's contract? <laughs> we were just talking about that before. Uh, should they? I mean, it's it's up for debate. I mean, if you're already done with him after the season that he had, then yeah, I guess. I mean, I'd be willing to see what he has in store next year if hopefully he's more healthy than this year because this year is just a mess between just being injured for a while and then coming back and especially in times where he was most needed to really put the team on his back like we've seen him do in the past just didn't do that this year. It was absolutely dreadful, horrible season for him. He'd be the first to tell you that, which I appreciate. That is part of what I appreciate about Giancarlo, always have and always will, but it doesn't change the fact that it was freaking horrible. So, i probably give him another year, but he also is kind of like the personification of what's wrong with this team, just like all-or-nothing righty big power guys, I guess. That's, it's really just put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. I mean, I'd be willing to give him a, another shot personally, bias-wise, because I like him. I, I can still like the guy and admit that he had a putrid season, which he did. Um, inexcusable. Um, but remaining the, eating the remaining years, uh, the Yankees are not going to do that. You know how much money he's owed over the next like four years, and plus if they pick up that club option at the end of the contract, he is owed a lot of money. I doubt that they do it. So should they? I'd give them at least a portion of next year. Would they? Absolutely not. <laughs> I really doubt it. 
I really, really doubt it. Things would have to get like legit catastrophic with him in order for that to happen. Uh, will Hal actually do something in the front office to change the philosophy? I, I doubt it. I mean, they keep on saying how they might get some outside people to really analyze the organization from top to bottom. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. And even if they do see it, I mean, these people are so demented and delusional as to think that their process actually works. They've said that so many times in the past, no matter how bad things get. So I definitely do question just how much they'd be willing to look into things, but I guess we'll see. I wouldn't hold my breath, though, if I were you. Do the Yankees fire Boone? Not a shot. Not a shot. If they do, then it's just going to be a scapegoat thing because I've said many times, just getting rid of Boone is not going to solve anything. Maybe, like, a little bit. If that, not nearly enough to make the team as successful as some people think. Um, the players seem to stick up for him, so I just I don't, I don't think it would do much of anything. I really don't. But especially because they just, like, they just recently just continued to express their confidence in him, and they even just said, Hal and them, said that they don't view themselves as moving on from him. So I I really, truly don't think there's a chance of that happening. Up next is Spencer at Musician DMD. What's going on, Spence? Spencer asks, Garrett Cole's been a bright spot for the 2023 Yankees. Besides being the leading candidate to win the Cy Young, I think Cole deserves consideration and a few votes for MVP. First off, I know he won't win. Secondly, I know the reason why many fans don't vote pitchers as MVP, but I do think he's meant so much to the Yankees, an almost guaranteed win every time he takes the mound, that he deserves a second or third place vote perhaps, or two. And he deserves to be even just a little bit in that conversation. Do you agree or disagree? Does he deserve any merit of MVP consideration? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. I, I'm really one of those people who's not a fan of a pitcher winning the MVP. I think they have their own award, the Cy Young, for a reason. I definitely do understand the sentiment of him being the most important factor of the team this year. I would definitely say the most important Yankees, if I had to say. I, I do have to give credit to guys like Clay Holmes and them out in the bullpen who, for the most part, rediscovered themselves. Um... But the biggest ones I have to give credit to, Judge missed a significant amount of time, but he still has put up pretty good numbers, to say the least, for the time that he has been there. But for the ones who have been there the entire time through the good and the bad, which most of it's been bad this year, let's be honest, um, I think the ones that I have to give the most credit to are probably Garrett Cole and Glaber Torres. I know Glaber's got his boneheaded mistakes, but from an offensive standpoint... And with how Garrett's done, I'd say they've been the most valuable Yankee players this year. I think so. And then Judge probably in third or around second, pretty close to Glaber. But Glaber was there the entire time, really. So I don't think he's given enough credit by some people because then he'll make a boneheaded mistake and people will be on his case again. But they forget what he has done this year and the fact that he's been there through thick and thin. But I do understand the sentiment saying about how important Cole is to the team. But as far as overall MVP, uh, I'm not a fan of that. So I'm going to say no. I definitely do think it should be spoken about how important he was to the Yankee team. But overall, in the actual MVP discussion, I don't I don't think so. I'm very he- hesitant towards that, Spence. I'm sorry. At Mountain Gal 456 my good friend Tina asks, Hi Mike, what are your thoughts on the comments that David Wells made regarding Cashman and Boone shouldn't be blamed for the Yankees' struggles? Struggling players should be sent to the minors regardless of their pay, and players are being coddled and babied. Thanks. Well, I'll first off say that I think I think David Wells is a little, like, 
overbearing with his stuff at old timers day. <laughs> like, I don't think that's really the place to be, you know, making these thoughts heard like this, like getting so heavily into the game itself. Um, I definitely do think he's entitled to his opinion, and I actually do agree with some of the things he says. I do. I'm not going to say that he can't say them or that he's a complete loser for saying them or that he has no right to them or whatever. He has every right to say it. I just think that there's a time and place for everything. And I didn't really think that Old Timers Day was really like really like the venue for that sort of a thing, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but that that's just my thought process. But one thing I totally did disagree with completely was him basically exonerating Cashman and the front office pretty much and putting the full blame on the players. I think it needs to be balanced. I think Cashman deserves actually most of the blame because he's the one who constructed the team in the first place. But a healthy chunk should go to the players as well because they're the ones in the actual field. So I agree with that part of his statement. But I cannot tell you how much I could possibly humanly disagree with basically exonerating Cashman and the Yankees organization front office for the blame. Because that is utterly ridiculous. And it's just not really... That, that's just a denial of reality, too. Just like the front office has a tendency of doing so often. I don't think it helps anybody to exonerate them of blame. It doesn't help themselves. It doesn't help the fans. It helps nobody. So I definitely don't agree with that part. I do agree that some that a lot of the blame should be towards the players as well. Sending them to the minors regardless of contract or pay, I mean, that's... I'm not even sure you could do that with a lot of the guys based on, you know, what the deal is with their contracts, but... um. Or, like, if they have options or anything. You know, a lot of it goes into that, too. You got to remember, like, it's just not that easy. Just, like, send them right down like it used to be. But um, I, it's it's complicated. I definitely do think that the players need to be held more accountable. They need to hold themselves more accountable. That's why, even though it doesn't exonerate him from having a horrible season, that's why I appreciate a player like Stanton, someone who will be the first one to tell you that he sucks right now. Um... But I definitely do think that struggling players should have more pressure on them to turn it around. I, I don't like the whole mentality of, oh yeah, you got to pretend like everything's okay or just only focusing on the positive when everything's negative. No, you can't deny reality. It's going really badly. What are you going to do to change it? <laughs> that's really all. Um, so that's why with, with David Wells, I'm kind of like hit or miss. Some of the things he says I really agree with. Some of the things he says I totally disagree with. I guess for the most part with the players, like, really just making them more accountable and putting more pressure on them to turn things around and everything like that. I I guess I agree with him with those. Um, but when it comes to like exonerating Cashman and or his front office of virtually any blame, I can't tell you how much I disagree with all that. I do think that's not really the right time or place for it though, as I said. So it's... David Wells is a very polarizing person, so it's complicated. <laughs> I very much respect him. I love the player he was, and I very much respect what he accomplished. Um, but he's definitely not shy to hide his opinions, and I, and I respect him for that. I respect people who are not afraid to go out there and really say what they think. It's a rare trait nowadays. A lot of people are really afraid to truly speak out on how they feel about certain things. But I I guess, yeah, it just depends on what he says. Holding players more accountable and not babying them as much, I can get on the same page with that. Exonerating blame of the front office cannot tell you how much I disagree cannot tell you at Laura underscore Icemont asks what are your main concerns that the Yankees need to address this offseason oh my 
God, where do I start? <laughs> Reanalyzing the entire analytics team, crew, mentality, approach from top to bottom. Not analytics itself, that's the problem. It's the way the Yankees do it and the way they the way that they utilize it and the way they put into effect. Go through the training staff again. See what the hell can be done to prevent the catastrophe of injuries. I realize that injuries happen all around the game, but you cannot argue against the fact that the rate at which it happens with the Yankees is just just about unlike anything we have ever seen before. It's absolutely outrageous. Something has to be done. I know a certain degree of it and certain things that happen, like actual things that happen on the field that are like catastrophic, like colliding, like today, in the Yankee game today, when the two Brewer outfielders on that Anthony Volpe hit to right center that almost ended up being the first walk-off hit, that collision that happened that left their center fielder all bloodied because he got like elbowed in the face, like something like that happening or something even more extreme that puts you down long-term, I understand things happen, you're going to get hurt, that's understandable. But what can be done conditioning-wise and health-wise to prevent some of the things that happen when it comes to like maybe on a throw-in or just running the bases, you pull a hammy or whatever, like or you hurt your calf, what can be done to help prevent injuries like that? Because it's just way too much. It's too much. So I'd look deeper into that. I would have to invest in the starting rotation even more so now because Rodon's a question mark as to how he's going to be. Garrett Cole's basically still your only sure guy. Even Nestor's kind of up in the air with missing the amount of time due to injury this year that he did, and when he was on the field, the amount of starts that he had that just weren't good. Maybe Michael King could become a promising piece. Clark Schmidt certainly shut a lot of people's mouths with a great deal of his starts the last maybe four months or so. But... A lot of it's unsure. Obviously, everything that happened with Domingo Herman, now him being out for alcohol abuse, I mean, it's it's like crazy. The rotation is in shambles. So I would reevaluate the rotation as well, just take an overall look at that. And of course, you have to really do a top-to-bottom reevaluation of this lineup. Because <laughs> this Yankee offense is, is, this year is the worst I ever could have possibly imagined an offense ever being. So basically, I guess from top to bottom, except for the bullpen, my main concerns are just about every aspect of the team outside of the bullpen. The bullpen even had its rough times, yeah, sure, but you're not going to be perfect throughout an entire year. There's still a top bullpen in the entire sport. So I guess they're the only ones that I'm really not like majorly concerned about. Everything else, I'm looking into. So those are my thoughts on that, Laura. I guess that's the best answer I could give. We'll obviously have... So much time to go through in the offseason since this will be the longest offseason that the Yankees have since 2016, the last time they didn't make the playoffs. We'll be in offseason mode already come the first couple of days of October. So we're going to have plenty of months to dissect every facet of this Yankee team like we do every winter. Except this year we're going to have even a couple of more weeks to do so. So we've got time. <laughs> Don't you worry. All right, let's just do a couple of more questions. Let's wrap this up. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo asks, what are your thoughts on Jeter's advice to the Yankees, and do you think they'll take what he says to heart? What is this team currently lacking that the 98 team had? Uh, just about everything. Heart, guts, passion, ability. I, I mean, literally everything. <laughs> like, absolutely everything. Resilience. Just, like, a, a relentless undying 
merciless mindset that just had them wanting to win every single game regardless of circumstance or opponent. They were just different, man. One of the best teams in the history of baseball for a reason. So they're just lacking almost everything that made the 98 team what they were. Quite frankly, that's just my honest opinion. Jeter's advice, I mean, he's very blunt about it. I mean, they always ask him, what what does this current Yankee team have to do to turn things around and everything? He just says, win. (laughs) It's as simple as that, and it is. You got to win. And you don't have a lot of winners on this team. Not too many. They're there, but not too many of them. The main ones obviously being like Judge and Cole. And, you know, Jason was a big part of that, but now he's gone for God knows how long. You hope Volpe continues in his development come next year, and so do some of the other kids. This organization's in a bad way, man. It really is. Until you really put it into perspective and think about it, you really just realize this, especially in light of the Jason Dominguez news today, which, again, is catastrophic. This organization is in a bad way, guys. They're in a lot of trouble. So they could take the advice as much as they want, as long as the team isn't properly constructed, and as long as the players don't have what it takes to do what's necessary to win, or even just stay on the field in order to do what's necessary to win. I don't know. <laughs> just it's it's tough. It's really hard these days with the Yankees. It's really hard. Last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she asks, Hey Mike. Hi mom. It was great to see Higashioka hit a walk-off to win today's game. My question to you is, do you think the young people will be on the roster next year since this year's team has proven they can't play baseball anymore? (laughs) I think this team will do very well with the rookies leading the team. I think Jason Dominguez is insane. What a player. The front office better not screw that up. Oh my god. Uh, Jason questions are going to do nothing but just depress me. But yeah, the Higashioka walk-off was... Hysterical today. It was just a really funny game today. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess the younger people should be the focus. I mean, 2024 is really up in the air given the state the team is in. A lot of question marks. <laughs> it's crazy. Really a big mystery as of now. But the kids should definitely play a role. Especially Jason whenever it is that he comes back from what's going to be Tommy John surgery. So we'll see. They should have a big role, but who knows. When it comes to the front office, anything's possible. Very likely that something could get screwed up. Who knows? That's my that's my answer to everything right now. I, I just really don't know. Guess I'll always have how awesome Old Timers Day was. Seeing Jeter, my absolute idol, be there for the first time ever. And him with his usual wit and hearing everybody reminiscing and seeing everybody again. I I guess I'll just have to hang my hat on that for now as, as far as finding meaning and good things that have happened lately. Guess I'll uh, use that for a most recent positive. I don't know, guys. In case you can't tell, I'm just beyond defeated. Just got to play out the rest of the season right now. Have the season end because I just I need it to end. I I need that's that's the overall thing of this episode. Finding any sort of meaning, which losing Jason Dominguez has taken even more meaning away from an already meaningless year, and just needing the season to end now. 2023 has been beyond anything any of us could have ever imagined, and it needs to end. Dig a grave and throw it in. Since that needs to end, so too does this episode, guys. So that is all for episode 194 of Yapping Yankees today. <laughs> what a disaster. Oh, what a day. 
Remember to follow me on all socials, guys, if you don't already. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Please be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Be sure to show your love on all of them the way you always do such a good job at doing, my friends. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. Thank you for leaving the questions as well. Really good questions. And many of them of which we'll be addressing a great deal over the winter too. Lord knows we'll have plenty of time for that. But if you've also missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, then you could listen back to them because episodes 34 up to 194 today are all on YouTube. And every Yapping Yankees episode going back to episode 1 all the way up to today's are all available on SoundCloud Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, though, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, no matter how painful it is to hear Yankees talk these days, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday when we're back to a weekly basis through to the end of the season, I guess. September 17th, when I come at you with episode 195 of Yapping Yankees, getting ever closer to 200. But until then, as always, especially when it comes to the Yankees, hang in there and be patient, but also stay safe and look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, no matter how much the Yankees drag you down, my friends. And until next Sunday, well, I guess just continue to find any positives you can. Well, trying not to nosedive off your roof after the Dominguez news. That's all I got for today, guys. (laughs) I'm checked out. Hopefully I'll be a little more energetic for next Sunday, but this episode and the news that came out today and everything just sort of deflated me. I kind of don't even really remember or care that the Yankees even won this game today. I'll talk to you next Sunday, guys. Take care, and no matter how much they depress us or deprive us of being able to have nice things, let's go Yanks. Yanks.